Hey, folks, Zach Oscar here. I'm Insider in Apple Store. This is Mind Your Banners for Thursday. I thought it was Friday for a second there, Dustin. Uh, October 27th, 2022. Uh, and this is the first pre-game Mind Your Banners of the basketball season. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think we're going to do one of these for every single basketball game. We'll see if we will. Uh, but I imagine people just want to be thinking about talking about basketball a little bit, Dustin, because basketball does return to Bloomington this weekend. Indiana hosts Marion at 3 p.m. Um, Saturday in an exhibition at Assembly Hall. And, uh, you know, listen, obviously they should win. They should win comfortably, et cetera. Uh, Scott Hetty's a heck of a coach, but, the, you know, the, 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 the gap between these two programs should, should still be pretty large. Um, but this is a first chance to look at this team and it's a first chance to sort of answer these questions that we've had all off season. Like there's so many, as we've discussed in other podcasts, there are so many big 10 teams with more existential questions than Indiana. And, and, you know, part of the sort of the, the, the math for Indiana was always going to be, if, if you're going to win the big 10, basically part of that process is you finding the answers to the specific questions while everyone else is still looking to the answers to the big thoughts questions. Um, and I think this is the first chance to look at this team and, and see where they are in that, that, that pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've gotten flashes obviously to this point, I mean, between, you know, um, a, a little bit of scrimmaging and some contests, whatever, back at that Hoosier hysterics event going back in August and obviously the six or seven minutes or whatever it was that we watched of scrimmaging uh, at Hoosier hysteria a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, we, we've gotten flashes. We know what, you know, uh, players have told us basically and and they've been candid in in, in fairness to um you know indiana and its sort of uh press relations uh you know we we were able to talk to more guys and, and get more sort of face time with players this offseason uh than maybe we ever have um you know basically as, as we've been covering this beat we've had opportunity to really talk to these guys and get a sense of you know who's improving you know what some of the fits are you know basically who's playing together uh, what improvements guys are making, you know, we, we, we've gotten some insight from that and, and more than we usually get. Um, but obviously college basketball in Indiana in particular is still a pretty closed off operation. And we haven't been able to see this sort of happen uh, in even practice, like uh, settings, let alone game like settings. So um, yeah, like, I, as you said that there, you, you know, okay, this, this team has a headliner and it has a go-to guy in trace Jackson Davis. Uh, it has a point guard with um experience in Xavier Johnson. It has a glue guy who has been doing the little things for years in race Thompson. And that alone makes you a competitive ball club. You know, those, those three guys in particular, now it's, it's filling in the rest of the dots. Um, you know, this rest of those spaces. Okay. What, what, what becomes what, you know, is, is Jalen Hutchfino is good at ad advertised Do Tamar Bates and Jordan Geronimo make leaps, you know, where do they fit in? Um, you know, what does, does Miller cop take another step? Where, where is everybody's role? How do the pieces all fit? Um, and that's what we're going to get a sense of, you know, what does it look like when Xavier Johnson and Jalen Hutchfino are on the floor together, those type, types of things, you know, just all of that, you know, again, obviously as, as we've, asked a whole bunch of times, where does the outside shooting come from? Um, you know, a lot of those, you're going to start to answer those questions. Obviously you're not going to get them all answered. Um, there are uh, questions about this team that we're still going to have, I think uh, going into at least December uh, or, or at least that North Carolina game at the end of, of November. Um, and, and even, you know, 
through into January when, you know, Big Ten play tends to slow things up and it's a little bit of a different game than even you play in non-conference against better teams. Um, but it's just, it, we, we got the beginnings this week. We just get to look, see what they look like uh, playing somebody else, running Mike Woodson's offense and defensive systems through the course of a game and, and just get a baseline understanding of, of who this team is and could be. I think actually one place that I'm, I'm, I, I'm sort of curious to start, I guess, partly because we really, I don't think have talked about it a heck of a lot um, this preseason is, or this off season rather is, is with something that I think is going to be quietly crucial for Indiana that we, you know, I guess to some extent, probably people are taking us taking to a certain extent for granted. Uh, and that is this team's defense. And there's no reason to believe this team won't be just as good as it was defensively a year ago. Um, you know, virtually all the key pieces are back. You can make a case for like a, a Rob Fennessy, for example, kind of being an important defender on the second line, but like you need to be able to replace your backup point guard from a, a defensive perspective. Um, you know, I think it it went a little bit under the radar how good Indiana was defensively last season. They were top 25 nationally in um, – this. these are all per Ken Pomeroy – in adjusted defensive efficiency, uh, just outside the top 25 in opponent-effective field goal percentage, um, and top 25 in opponent two-point percentage and block percentage, block rate, however you want to phrase that. Uh, also, I apologize for anyone who – if I, if I sound funky here, if I cough in your ear, um, I have a sinus infection. So, um, I realize my, my voice may sound a bit strange anyway. Um, you know, if you look at their big 10 specific numbers, they were top five in the conference in opponent effective field goal percentage, opponent turnover rate and opponent two and three point percentage. And they were first in the conference in both block rate and overall adjusted efficiency. I bring all this up. We talked about this a lot last year. We haven't talked about it a lot in the offseason. As much as we want to talk about the areas where Indiana can raise its ceiling, defense is its floor. This this team's ability to defend, to, to protect the rim, to control the rim, to control the glass, all that stuff should generally remain. And we've even heard Jordan Geronimo's, Geronimo's made steps and Jalen Huchifino's a two-way player and all this. All that should remain, but, you know, you can't regress there while you're trying to improve in other areas, particularly when so much of what made Indiana good defensively last season from a personnel standpoint and from a rotations and combination standpoint is still there. And that's something that I think I'm curious about in these, these exhibition games, because that's sort of something that can kind of prove true even in games like this is basically just, do you have the, the intensity and the connectedness as a, as a unit to be able to just have, you know, build three and four minute stretches, even in an exhibition game where it's like, you know, you're prepared to just absolutely kind of shut the other team down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, like, as you mentioned, the important strengths are there. And as you mentioned, block rate, 
um, being very high. I mean, just, just maintaining the size in the middle, obviously Trace Jackson Davis, um, you know, was freed up to go block shots last year. We talked a lot about that last season about how, uh, you know, he was generally affected to stay on his man in the Archie Miller era. Um, and Mike Woodson sort of freed him up to say, no, go, go, you know, go jump off your guy, go block that guy, go attack shots. Um, and, you know, just trust somebody to rotate behind you, uh, on, on your man, just go after the ball. Um, and just, you know, Jackson Davis Thompson, even Geronimo's ability to defend around the rim to protect the rim uh, is, you know, goes a long way there. It's, it's still therefore going to be really difficult uh, to score at the rim against these guys. And it was very much so last year. I think, you know, the, you know, you'll finish these losses important. I mean, I, 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 I think you can um, it, it, it's, it's going to be noticeable, I think is, is a big thing. You, you're like, I think Jalen Hochefino is going to be a really good on-ball defender. Um, and it's just, again, do you have a second line? You know, does he operate as a second line point guard as well? Is Tamar Bates your second line point guard? Can Tamar Bates become a much defender, better defender than he was? Um, you know, I, I think this its ceiling as a defensive team still uh, is determined by, you know, are they still going to be as good on the ball as they were? And can they get better on the wing? Um, you know, that's, I think the one area where they weren't great, uh, is defending wings. I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, as good as their overall defender as race Thompson was, you know, when he got stuck on the Keegan Murray's of the world, he, he sometimes lost those matchups, you know, when it was a really, really good stretch for, um, and, you know, twos and threes could give them problems, especially when Jake Trey Galloway was out, you know, Galloway gave them, uh, you know, when he came back from his initial injury, uh, you know, really gave them a lot of help there, obviously gave, you know, Jaden Ivy some real problems when he took that matchup. Um, and he's obviously still going to be a part of this, but it's like, okay, the, the question is what kind of minutes is he going to get? And are, you know, don't you at the end of the day need the Hutchafinos, the Tamar Bates is in, you know, Miller cop to some extent um, or whoever else is playing the two uh, and the three to be able to uh, really lock down um, on, on, you know, on really good shooting guards. You saw, you know, Parker Stewart take a lot of those assignments last year. Um, and I thought he got better the way, the way the season, like, as the season went on, but it would really be good for them if they've got a true shooting guard who can really, really guard. I think that is, you know, I mean, I, therefore, the big question for me is, is, is Jalen Hutchifino? Because it, 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 there's been so much talk about him, not just as, oh, he's a really good player or, you know, Xavier Johnson kind of bigging up the idea of the two of them being sort of dual point guards and, and all this kind of stuff. But there's also just like the functional, I mean, people are talking about him like he's a, a genuine threat defensively, that, that like he's the kind of guy that can take on a big defensive matchup. Now, he's not 6'6". You know, you use the Keegan Murray comparison a minute ago. Keegan Murray was a legit 6'7", 6'8". You're not using Jalen Huchifino in that context. But maybe he balances the scales a little bit more if he's as good defensively as his teammates are suggesting he is um, against – a Johnny Davis type player, you know, right. maybe even to some extent, you know, when I think back to that, that, that Michigan game in Bloomington, where I think by the end of that game, Xavier Johnson was guarding Caleb Houston because basically yeah. they had Caleb nobody that could guard that. Caleb Houston. And so they were just taking the guy that at least could be quick and give him some trouble with his quickness. Um, you know, Huchifino, he might well be this good defensively individually, 
the question is how quickly do you adapt him into the wider setup? And and how quickly it's not like Indiana. It's not the pack line. It is a much more sort of straight up and down man-to-man defense. There's some switching involved, you know, but but there's, you know, a lot of the defensive concepts, at least in theory, are fairly straightforward. But defense, as we know, is all about communication. It's all about rotation. It's all about five players working as one in a way that in, in some ways even offense really isn't. How quickly do you get Hood Shafino back into that? You know, how quickly how quickly do you get him comfortable in that? And how quickly can he pick up on a lot of the triggers and, you know, the, the sort of, uh, you know, this is when I switch, but this is when I don't and things like that. Because it's one thing to say, oh, he can take a tough individual matchup. Well, that's great. But a lot more often, a guy's defensive efficacy is going to be des- defined by how, you know, just how good he is working within – you know, the five-man dynamic. And so I think that it's been interesting to hear everybody talk about Hood Shafino that way. I think he could be a really good player for Indiana. Um, But if he's going to have that impact, then again, I think the early test is basically going to be how does he fit into the wider structure, essentially. Yeah. And, and, and there's also like, even when it comes to individual matchups, it's, what teams do um, to basically make those matchups efficient, basically like, like if they have a great player, what do they do for him uh, to give him opportunities? I think one thing uh, when I talked to Tamar Bates in December of last year, I did a really big feature on him, um, you know, because because everybody told me how great of a defender Tamar was, you know, and, and how great he was in high school and how much he cared about that and how much he locked in and, you know, even the guys at IMG, you know, so we're, we're talking about sort of similar level of basketball, you know, that, that I mean, he was playing at IMG his senior year and um, uh, his coach at IMG. And I don't know why I'm blanking on him because I talked to him a bunch of times, but like was just singing his praises about this guy really cares about getting down and guarding. Like this guy wants to take away, uh, you know, your best offensive player. He wants to swallow him up. And, you know, that's really important. You don't always have guys that really care about the little things, you know, playing at some of these superpowers because they're thinking about, you know, scoring and making sure that they're uh, highly recruited. And, um, you know, so I imagine I, I, I think Huchifino has a little more has a little bit more physical maturity. I think he's got a little bit more muscle to him. And I think Montverde is e- even operating on a higher plane uh, of existence than IMG is right now um, or has been. But um that's still, I think, an issue is, I mean, one thing Tamar said was just like, you know, the screens just come from everywhere, you know, and it, it just like, that's the thing is you might be locking in on your guy and, and you got to be able to see and fight through these guys who are way, way bigger than you're used to dealing with, you know, it's, it's, it's not like, it's not a six, seven, 200 pound guy who's sending the pick on you, you know, it's six, nine, two sixty, um, or somewhere in that range. I mean, basically it's, or, or, you know, maybe slightly smaller, six, nine, two forty, whatever you got. Uh, it's a bigger dude, um, who's, who's coming to hit you and, you know, just get you off your mark. And I think that was something he struggled with for a while, you know, setups on screens that I think he, I, I just remember one bucket where like, he just, turned and saw a guy next to him and just knew he was in trouble. It was like, Oh man, I did not see this coming. And so it's stuff like that. It's getting used to how many different ways 
even if you're a good defender, they're going to scheme ways to get you off your guy, get you off balance, uh, get you lost in screens and stuff like that. You know, just little things that they do. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how he does with that. Now, I think, I mean, again, I, that's nothing to say that, that Hushpino isn't a really, really smart player because I think he's a really smart player. Like, I think he's really got a next level mind, um, but it's still an adjustment. You're still seeing things at a different level. Um, and there are things you got to be prepared for as a defender that, that take you a while to get used to um I, I think in terms of just what you what you have to face to stay on your man three-point shooting I, I you know good lord <laughs> i mean like someday indiana will be good at it again and yeah. i've spent the last like probably about the last four years i would say at least three years just sort of assuming like it can't be worse right and then it it, it, it well, it, it certainly isn't any better. Um, I will bang the drum for the idea that generally, you know, you can hope that, I mean, like, for example, um, what did Tamar Bates shoot from three last year? 29.8%. What's up? 17 of 57, 29.8%. I think I just. Okay. So like, it's not unreasonable to assume he can at least get up to 33, 34%. Right. Um, you know, you can look at a, a Miller cop. I think a lot of people are hoping, and, and I, I don't think this is completely unreasonable. I think a lot of people are hoping that Miller cop maybe being freed up from some defensive responsibilities allows him to focus more of his effort it's defensive end or the offensive end of the floor. You know, one thing that's always struck me about cop, he wasn't a bad three point shooter last year. He hit 36.1% of his threes, 35.1% in big 10 play, which wasn't awful, but he was also indicative of, I think a, a parallel problem Indiana had. He only attempted 57 threes in big 10 play in 20 big 10 games. He attempted 51 in the other 15 games Indiana played. Yeah. So, he basically he had almost the same number of attempts in 15 not Big Ten games as he had in 20 Big Ten games. Indiana, we heard so much last year. I'm going to tell them to keep shooting. I want these guys to keep shooting. You know, even if they're not making them, we're going to keep shooting them. Indiana finished in the three tens last year. Um, they averaged, I think, about 17.7, 17.8 three point attempts per game. They, they just – they did not do that at all. And I bring that up because you can hope for improvement from a Tamar Bates. You can hope that maybe Jalen Hood-Shafino is at worst no worse than Rob Fennessy, who is 19 of 72. That's 26.4%. You can hope that maybe a Miller cop can bring his 36.1% up to closer to – you know, 40%, something like that. And I know there's also been a lot of, of chat about Parker Stewart uh, and Indiana losing Parker Stewart. When you look at the fact that Parker Stewart tailed off pretty badly from behind the three-point line, certainly was not, um, was not the, from, you know, kind of early January, mid-January through kind of to March. And he, he had a bit of a resurgence in the postseason. You know, Indiana's last, Five games. I'm, I'm looking at the math right here. He was four of 13, five of 15 in their last six games. So he, he pushed back in a little bit. Um, 
but by the end of the season, Stewart was not, you know, people say they lost their, their leading three point shooter. Functionally, he was not that for Indiana by the end of last season, by the business end of last season. You can be optimistic about the idea that at worst, a lot of this will be sort of net zero and, and that, that, you know, it would be hard for Tamar Bates to be worse. Miller cop can certainly make a case for being better, et cetera. I cannot get around the, 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 I cannot get past the idea that to some extent, this has just got to be marginal gains. You know, Tamar Bates goes from 29% to 33%. Jordan Geronimo goes from, where was he last year? Jordan Geronimo goes from 31% to 33%. Miller Cop goes from 36 to 38. But more importantly, they shoot more of them because it it got to a point last season where there was just such a lack of willingness to pull the trigger. And, you know, you can debate these numbers and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to the wall to defend or, or criticize, you know, the websites that put the stuff together. But if you look at the websites that try to track basically what they call shot quality metrics, Indiana was getting good shots. Their offense was creating good shots and, for a while, they weren't knocking enough of them down. After a while, it felt like they just stopped taking them. And that's, you know, in a way, that's almost worse because you don't even have the threat of maybe tonight's the night they hit 12 and we weren't ready for it and they they beat us. Um, there's got to be a willingness from this team to shoot through bad stretches, even if every once in a while they go really cold. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing I think is just going to be interesting is just how the spacing changes. Um, because, you know, obviously, you know, lineups were just interesting last year, you know, just, just going with that starting five when you've got Stewart and Cobb that really aren't making any plays off the bounce at all and are just both kind of waiting uh, for Xavier Johnson to put the ball in their shot pocket and try to hit something. Um, that, I think, you know, that that was an issue in and of itself. I mean, I, I think part of it is like, yeah, they, you know, I think what maybe contributes to the shot metrics is they took the really good ones, but they couldn't really create their own. I mean, you know, how much, how many dribbles did, you know, Parker Stewart and Miller cop take all of last year? You know, it's not like, okay, you get them the ball in the perimeter and there's a guy there and okay. Like you've got to have a jab step dribble or whatever to back them off. Um, you know, how many of those are those guys taking? Basically, if it's not there, it's not, you know, they just weren't taking it. There's just was not a lot. They were getting done off the bounds. You started to see a little bit more as the season went on, but not really. And I think that's that's what's going to be different about this group is I think there are, you know, cop being the one exception. Uh, the guys that are shoot threes are guys that, you know, can create their own space, uh, you know, with the bounce. And so that I th it's going to make a different dynamic. I mean, they might take more by virtue of there are more guys who are willing to with a man in front of them, you know, you know, take a couple crossover dribbles, you know, just take a jab step, something like that. Just try to back somebody off where, you know, it was more of a case of if no one leaves Miller cop and, and Parker Stewart, they're not taking the shot. Um, you know, it's basically if, if someone doesn't collapse off of them, they're not shooting the basketball. And then I think that's, a, that's an issue too, is how is spacing going to change? If you have more guys that can really attack off the dribble that are forcing defenses to collapse. Uh, but also you have more guys that you can give them the ball in the perimeter and they can get their own. They can just say, okay, I'm on, I'm in an ISO situation. I can create enough space from my guy to be able to take a clean three and be able to make it. 
30 some percent of the time, you know, are they going to be able to get guys? I think that that's really an issue there. There might be more guys who can move and shoot. Uh, on this team. I think it's important to still have at least one guy uh, who you, you can just let sit in the corner and doesn't need it to dribble at all and make a shot. And, and Miller cop is good at that. And that's important. Um, but I think it's also, you know, better. I think you got to have at least one guy that can move and shoot. And I think they've got more guys on this team than they had on last year's team uh, that are going to be able to move and shoot the basketball. Yeah, I would, I would push back on that ever so slightly. Um, and, and, and all I would say is that, that, Generally, the the vast majority of quality three point attempts are still spot up shots. Um, but I do think you hit at something I agree with in in that you know, what you were talking about there, which is I think at absolute worst this team is going to have more capacity between Jalen Huchafino in the fold. Um. You know, obviously, a, a another year for a Tamar Bates, um, another year for perhaps a Jordan Geronimo, certainly a Trey Galloway. Um, though obviously Galloway's health has has you know kind of come and gone as an issue through his career. Um, this team is going to have more ability to get in the lane and and break. Yeah, break other teams down off the dribble, and if that happens, then I think you you start to see obviously that that that, that can affect shot quality, but it's it's also just kind of the general idea that the more you you know we've talked so much about this, and listen, these these things have to go hand in hand because if you can't hit threes then defenses can pinch and they can, they can, they can collapse. And then suddenly you can't drive into the lane because they don't have any, there's nothing making them respect you not being in the lane or or, there's, there's nothing they have to respect that keeps them out of the lane. And so they can, they can cheat in a little bit and suddenly the lane is high traffic and they can get some pause on the ball. And suddenly there's more turnovers and all that. But if you have more players, I mean, listen, Indiana was a bad three-point shooting team last year, and they still got those last 10, 12 games into those pick-and-roll situations with, with Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier, or Xavier, Xavier Thomas, Xavier Johnson that really turned into very, very positive offensive plays. Now, all of a sudden, you've got more guys that might be able to do that and then guys that can do it off the ball or guys that can do it as secondary ball handlers who can do it on the reverse, et cetera. This is where I just come back to the idea that that it's some like Indiana should. If Indiana, even if Indiana is literally no better this year shooting the three than they were a year ago, statistically, they should be able to collapse defenses more consistently and effectively than they did last season. And if they are, if they are capable of that, then the shot quality, the, the metrics, the eyeball test, whatever you want to use. Should say that the shot quality should go up even further. If that's the case, you just need to pull some of those. Like yeah. if like this offense on paper should be better than last year's offense at creating good shots. And again, I push back a little bit in the idea that you want to go heavy on the, you know, the the um you know the the, the dribble threes and the, you know, I mean some guys can do it. Jordan Halls was an outstanding uh shooter off the dribble. Some guys can do that. Yogi Ferrell was really good at it too. 
the majority of good three-point attempts are still jump shot attempts in general are still going to come, you know, basically in spot up situations. But this team should be able to create more of those. And that only makes me double down on the idea that there might be nights where they're not going in, but you just need to keep shooting them because at some point, it's not like you're going to start making them just because the basketball gods decided it was time. But at some point, some of that comes back the other way around and you've got to make people respect that it can, even if every once in a while you throw up an eight for 26 as a team from behind the arc. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I, we're mostly in agreement here. I think one thing, um, if, if there's more dribble drive movement, I think they got a lot of threes early last year out of, you know, Trace Jackson Davis pass, passing out of a double team uh, and setting up Parker Stewart for like T-ball threes. And I, I know like back to, um, you know, even Notre Dame game, I, that, that was the thing that we wrote about. I know it was the thing that you wrote about a lot that, um, you know, it was, it, it was forcing bodies away from Jackson Davis a little bit is that, that, you know, people were going to have to respect Parker Stewart. Um, but early on, you know, he was getting doubles and Park, you know, Traxon Davis was flipping out to Parker and Parker was getting open threes. And I think you saw less of those uh, as the season wore on. It was not as an effective way of producing a three because I think people noticed, okay, just just keep bodies on Parker and Miller, but um, otherwise collapse. I mean, you know, they, they sort of identified there were a couple of games when Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy uh, took advantage of this, uh, but there were some games that they didn't, that they were that they were basically really backing off of them and, you know, using, you know, point guards to really clog the lane um but i think just all, all of the dribble drive movement is going to make a difference as you mentioned the pick and roll stuff is going to be big um and you know that it'll get trace jackson davis a lot more opportunities he can shoot his own threes uh he can get a lot, a lot more buckets off of movement going downhill there'll still certainly be post-op post-op opportunities for him to score the basketball but the more they're in movement i think the more he has a chance of getting open stuff and they can, you know, again, collapse defenses, you know, just going down a hill on pick and roll uh, and finding guys in corners, uh, you know, for their or on the wing and, and, and for those to be open shots and, and to be in movement uh, and to have defenses scrambled. I think there's going to be a lot more of those. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that they should be just uh, hunting crossover fadeaways, but you know, all the same, that's going to, be there that like there are more guys who I think have a chance of hitting those shots uh, than did a year ago. And I think that can at least put their attempt numbers up and they'll get, they'll make more uh, whether they'll be in, and I'm not saying, you know, pass up the open ones, but I think the, the dribble drive game will, will open up more open ones and sustain that uh, even through the year, basically once everybody's figured out who you have to mark uh, I think there will still be open shots where I don't think last year there were as many for guys that, you know, teams knew that they had to mark. We got like two minutes left. Any anything else that you are particularly interested in this weekend? I'm I'm curious about the basically the second line of the front court. Obviously, the freshmen are always intriguing, and I'm always just I'm always curious if there's like a wrinkle we don't expect. But I don't know if there's anything that, that you're going to have an eye. You're going to walk into the building with an eye on on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm real. I mean, I think as I've just been sticking to the most intriguing players. Uh, you know that that we haven't either. We haven't seen or we haven't seen in, in what the, the, in the capacity they need to be in. I mean, I'll be watching Tamar Bates, Jordan Geronimo, Malik Reno, and uh, Renu and uh, Jalen Huchifino are going to be the guys that I'm going to be most sort of transfixed on in terms of what they can do. And then Xavier Johnson after that to see if uh, we see more, if he starts off where he left off or if he's 
don't, you know, if he gets back into kind of his old ways at all. Um, I, I think that's a question of, you know, you could, you always have to wonder if X has really turned the corner or if, you know, he's, he's still going to be up and down. Um, if, if you see the X that you saw in the last, most of the last 10 games, and if you can sustain that, you know, the capacity for obviously this team is a lot higher. So those are going to be the guys I'm most interested in seeing and, and, and really evaluating to find out where they are. And we've, we've talked about those guys all, all off season, but I'm very interested to see what they look like in a full basketball game. You know, Geronimo is a three Bates is improvement, Hood Shafino, Reyna, where he gets used. Uh, those four guys are really intriguing to me because I think that those guys can really raise the ceiling of this team. 3 p.m. Saturday, Assembly Hall, Marion visits Indiana, first of two preseason exhibitions. We'll podcast in some form afterward. Might be Saturday after the game, might be Sunday night. One way or the other, you will get our thoughts, as well as obviously all of the attendant coverage at IndyStar.com and HeraldTimesOnline.com. Thank you so much for listening. For Dustin DePirak, I'm Zach Osterman. This has been Mind Your Banners for Thursday, October 27th. We will talk to you soon.